Or send $26.95 for two CDs or $21.95 for two cassettes, plus $4.95 shipping and handling to the address on your screen. Rush delivery is available. Remember, this special offer is not sold in stores. It's so Rastafarian. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. What, uh, this is fifth, uh, 16, because we're going to do, yeah. We drop 14, then, yeah, so 16. All right, ladies and germs, we're back with episode 15, uh, nope, sorry, it's 16. We're back, ladies and germs, with episode 16 of New York's Got Talent, the podcast. I'm your host, New York Nico, and today I have two very special guests with me on the podcast. I have Jimmy Webb of, I, I don't even know how to introduce Jimmy Webb, because Jimmy Webb is, is everything. Jimmy, Jimmy Webb is New York, person. no, Jimmy Webb is downtown personified. Um, Jimmy Webb you might know Jimmy Webb from his store, I Need More, which has been around for a year and a half. Um, it is a... How would you describe your store, Jimmy? Mmm. The sweet taste and smell of rock and roll. There you go. With a peck of dirt thrown in. There you go. You have everything from uh, Cindy Lauper's wardrobe. Was it Cindy Lauper's wardrobe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Cindy uh, Lauper's wardrobe there that yeah. people can purchase. Mm-hmm. Um and you have and a half lot of, of it, half of the proceeds from it go to her one of her favorite charities. Because in rock and roll, you got to be a giver. You oh, just can't be a taker. That's not yeah. Giving is ro- is rock and roll. Exactly. Um, and yeah, very very cool store. I love it. I did my one of my mom one of my first actually mom and pop drops was uh, I need more. Um, and this is this is obviously audio, so you can't see what Jimmy looks like. But <laughs> if you don't know the name Jimmy Webb, you've definitely seen him before. He's one of those guys that you just have seen. If, you, if you've seen him once, you you don't forget you don't forget who he is. Um, and that's how I was or- originally introduced to you. I think I told you this last time I saw you. I remember I used to see you around like St. Mark's area, East Village, um, and I just assumed you were like in a band or something. I, I figured you were like in the New York Dolls or. You know, maybe you were, uh, 
you you, you were in that scene. Honey, I'll um, take the compliment, but I lip sync happy birthday, <laughs> dude. My voice sucks. I just look good. So uh, I always thought Jimmy was was uh, one of those guys, and um, and then uh, I, I met you about a year ago through my friends at Overthrow, mm-hmm. and I learned that you were this this fashion guy, um, <laughs> and you're just you know you you're just a, a, a downtown legend. Um, and then I found out about your store, went to check out your store. It's fucking awesome, and uh, we've we've become friends ever since. A hey, new a new friendship. People in New York. Oh you wow! You are perfect. You are absolutely <laughs> I appreciate perfect. That. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to, you know, you say what's I need more about? What I want to say it's also about. Besides, it's expensive but dirty. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and diversity. It's where you met David. It is where I met da- David. Oh, and this is a great segue. It's so um, perfect. Ba boom. <laughs> before I get into that segue, I'm hearing a little uh, weird feedback in in my left. Uh, do you guys hear that or no? Is it just my headphones, maybe? Um, I'm I'm hearing just fine. Check check. Okay, now it's fine. Check 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 check. We're good. Ooh, Pat Kiernan from New York One just sent me an email. Wow. Wow. Dude, that Without being on the podcast. Oh my God! You know what? <laughs> I was on like a top ten list once. I've been on a lot of top five and top ten lists. And once they put me like you know the most you know favorite New Yorkers or yeah. whatever, and I was on with him, and I was like, shit, I made it. <laughs> I'm on the list with Pat from New York <laughs> One, dude. There's certain things in life that just take you to a place and a planet, and there's just no coming back for it. You're just on the next planet and place. That's true. Um, all right, so we're good. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yes, that is a great segue. Uh, I was, I, I visited you at, at I Need More, uh, which by the way is one of my favorite things to do. That's why I love, uh, becoming friendly with, um, shop owners is because, you know, first, firstly, you always have a public bathroom to go to if you need it. And secondly, it's always nice to just be able to stop in and say hello to somebody. Um, cause if, if you walk around as much as me or you godless, mm-hmm. it's always nice to have friends in the neighborhood who you can just stop in and say hello to and that public bathroom is yeah. very clutch yeah. although I've, n- I've never been to your public bathroom but i'm sure it's amazing i'm sure well, it smells it's like pretty fucking cool yeah, 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 yeah it does yeah, it yeah, does it smell yeah. like rock and roll and women can sit down it's only a year and like five months old so it's not that shitty yeah but it's good shitty it's all purple okay. you know it's all postered out oh nice okay only one type of running water right. but the toilet seat's clean you don't how would get you describe need, the smell you don't get disease um i keep it good because i'm always afraid <laughs> Debbie Harry's gonna right. ask to use it, okay. and that's fucking Debbie no. Harry. So I better have a really nice fucking bathroom for Absolutely. Debbie Harry. Absolutely. So um, yeah, so I was I was at I Need More, and we're talking, and uh, you were talking about street photography, uh, the you know the the punk scene in the '70s, and then you're like, you know, Nick, I think you'd enjoy this book. So you sent you show me this photo book that you that you had just gotten in, or maybe you had it for a while. But I was looking through it, and I was just mesmerized because these were some these are photographs I've never seen before. Um, it's an it's an era that isn't. Uh, I mean, it's documented, but not as well as you know the '90s, 2000s till till now. Um, so it was some stuff that I'd never seen before. Uh, a lot of it was at CBGBs, which I only had the opportunity to go to once before it closed down. So it was it was very special. Um, I'm looking through it, and you told me the name of the photographer. I'd never heard of him. Um, and then few few seconds later, in he walks. Got the man just himself, like that. godless. Yeah. Um, and I had seen you before on the street, just through you know I walk a lo- around a lot, you walk around a lot, right. and I'd yep. totally seen you and always assumed you were somebody. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I never put the the two names together. I, didn't I put very your name rarely together. tell people who I am when yeah. I'm walking around the street. Right, of course. I don't um, wear that sign anymore. No, no, no. Um, so in you walked, and here he is, and. I could have swore that I photographed you at one point. Long story short, I went through my Instagram going back years and years and years and finally found the photo that I thought it was, right. and it was not you. It was another guy. My doppelganger. With, yeah, it was your doppelganger. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's, I, I fucking love that about New York, you know? How yeah, you can, and sure, it can happen anywhere, but when it happens in New York, it's a lot more special, I would I've say. I've already had at least two of those kind of coincidences yeah. today. Oh, they happen Just all the time. Just walking the street. Yeah. Daily. Bing, running into somebody who I've already had interaction with on the uh, on Instagram. Absolutely. And then, bing, I run into them on the street randomly. Totally. But it was so cool. So I like that I was that for you. Absolutely. And it's it's so cool to be able to uh, to actually talk to the person responsible for uh, a body of work that, that impresses you so much. And, um, yeah, because yeah, so I, really I, cool. I found you that day. Yeah, yeah. But Nico, Absolutely. that's what you are about. Yeah. You're the same thing. Like, yeah. I feel like when I'm with the two of you, this is so rock and roll. This yeah. is so New York. It's like this is the past, yep. the present, and the future. Absolutely. And you are the future. Absolutely. Or maybe we're all the future. We all are. But yeah. it's so New York. Yeah. And how you just described it, from overthrow boxing, mm-hmm. right? To then we become friends. And yep. you were just so cool. I mean, I ripped my shirt right off for you. Oh, like hell you yeah. photographed <laughs> my back. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I just adored you because you're non-intrusive. You're just there. Appreciate that's it. That's how man. David is. Thank you. And David's become my like my 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 buddy. He's got an amazing wife, but she stays home. He's mm. my travel companion. <laughs> I'm either solo or it's with David. Amazing. You know, and we just go everywhere together. Or the magic of watching what happened, the catalyst of the magic between you two and watching you two come to know each other. It's just like what it's all about. Well that's totally. part of your yeah. store also. Like going to your stores that goes on. You run and into people in, in your store while you're in there shopping for yourself. You're going to come out knowing several other people that went in and out. Absolutely. Or look at the magic of today, right? I go to Basquiat. I take a newcomer to Basquiat. Someone new in my life, my store photographer. I'm with all this great fucking art. Basquiat just like touching me and kissing me. Mm. Talk about a scent. That room was full of a scent. That mm-hmm. had white walls. It's hard to have white walls and have a scent. Mm-hmm. But it pulled it off, right? And then we go meet with David. A good old man Moon's falafel. Started in the 70s on McDougal mm-hmm. Street, mm-hmm. right? Good old shithole. 75 cent falafels. Mm-hmm. Shithole, by the way, is a compliment to me, all right? Mm-hmm. If you're not a, you don't have that element of shithole, you're not gonna succeed. Sure. Right? And then, right, and then up comes Lenny Mm Kay on his way to the new Webster Hall. Mm -hmm. Second night, it's open. Patty Smith, Lenny Kay, Falafels, David Godless. Year later, we walk in here, Office Magazine's up front. Story on me in the middle. Whatever. This is rock and roll. This is New York. Absolutely. It's always now in New York. It's always today, and it's always now. So, So how did you two originally meet? That's a good question. That is. On St. Mark's Place, for sure. Yeah. When and? Jimmy used to be on St. Mark's Place. And I live on St. Mark's yeah. Place. Hey, how, by the way. You couldn't walk down St. Mark's Place what's, without what's seeing Jimmy every day. What's off limits in this conversation? What's off limits? That's, ooh, you little sneak. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I mean, better than me just bringing, bringing up random shit that you don't want to talk about. No, I'd rather say, right? Nothing's really off limits. I don't limits. know. I, I, I don't just don't won't answer the I, question. If it's yeah, off yeah. limits... 
Yeah, you can just say it's yeah, off limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll do like a William Barr but, mumble. But you can't talk about St. Mark's in the 70s and not <laughs> right, be, yeah, you know, you know R-rated. What? Right, yeah. Right. I don't think any, yeah, exactly. And just like I don't think it, there is politically incorrect, but mm -hmm. there's not politically incorrect. Sure. Because, you know, I use words that they say I'd be shot for. Mm -hmm. No fucking way, dude. Because, you know what I mean? The one word, the T word. Okay, the tranny word. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to say tranny. Well, honey, <laughs> I'm from the 70s in New York when those girls fought for that name mm -hmm. and the Hollywood lawns and the candy darlings and pre to that, my icons, my heroes, they fought for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they were respected for that. And mm -hmm. they went to jail for that. Well, what about those $5 blowjob girls? They mm -hmm. were fucking amazing. You know <laughs> what I mean? That David was photographing. All right? It's what like, a life. <laughs> yeah. It's like nothing's off limit. You know, so to say it's off limits, you can't say that would be unjust to New York to the history of our predecessors, mm -hmm. the people right. David photographed, your dad. Mm -hmm. When I found who your dad was, it's like, did I disco dance with mm -hmm. your dad at some point? Maybe. You know what I, I mean? Don't, I don't you think know, he danced, but. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he was such a piece in New York. Yeah. And then on to the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my dad, Stephen Heller, was the art director at Screw Magazine at age 17. Right. Um, and then went on to become the art director of the New York Times Book Review for 35 years. Um, now so there, there's a journey. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys have crossed paths at some point. Right. And now you carry the torch in your way. But yeah. I want to go back to David. Yeah, my friendship please. With I want to. Uh oh. Uh -oh. It's uh -oh. like I think it just evolved. Like my friendship with Iggy just happened. Mm -hmm. My friend with Debbie Harry just happened. Mm -hmm. I just meet these most amazing historical people mm -hmm. that pass through my life in the day. This is just for me. Then I want David to talk, and it's like. And then later on when you meet them in life, when you're a little more grown up, mm -hmm. where I was distracted for years, you know, mental institutions, jail, <laughs> true story. Okay, <laughs> we'll get like into that, that later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you come back swinging. Yeah. And that's why I say I have an Iggy Pop story, an Iggy right. Pop life. Right. He's my big, one of my biggest spiritual mentors. Mm -hmm. But then you just meet something as magnificent as David later in your life. I'm just happy to be drawn into your world. Mm. You know, I, my, my, I'm, I, I can be very quiet. I can be chatty, but I can be pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. but, but Jimmy, he can go, we're going out, we're going to do this, we're going to go do that. And I know that, like, he's going to run into a thousand people. Mm -hmm. And at, at some point, I'm just going to sort of wait it out. Yeah. And like, you know, okay, I meet these people, I meet that person, I take this picture, I take that picture. Mm -hmm. But, but at, at some point, he's like... Are you ready to get going? Yeah, I'm ready to get going too. Mm -hmm. And we get we're so I'm I'm like I'm like an easy person to be around, right? And 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 I I don't need too much attention. And then when it's time to leave, I get lots of attention because mm -hmm. then Jimmy's like telling me everything that happened and and you know go we go over it and I'm going like that's perfect for me. I don't need to see everybody. Mm -hmm. He's seeing everybody. Then I'll get all the everybody's from him. Mm -hmm. And you know and uh and I'm 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 a it's a good combo. Right. We yeah, both that, seem to want to leave at the same time. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Sometimes I have to drag him that little bit of extra, though, because <laughs> he's so polite and whatever. Oh, but yeah, you got to drag me away because I, I get stuck. I think you're, when we walk into a room or we go somewhere, even when we're just going down the street or if we're dining at Veselka or if we're at some magnificent thing where your art and history is on the walls, I think you're one of the most important lights in the room. You have a very special what light. Mm. You have a warm light, a sincere light. Everything about you is very, very real, David. Mm. And when I saw your event, and you're such a true artist, like what's art? 
When you're watching someone speak at a gallery and show their photo mm -hmm. shoot, was that Howell? Another person we shall bow to in New York, Jane from Howell and her team and the Howell Gallery. And David's up there doing his thing for his book, History is Made at Night. Get the fucking book. Get the okay, fucking book. everybody? Yeah, get hurry, hurry, hurry. You can get it at I Need More. Yeah, yeah, and I only curse when I'm excited, mm -hmm. right? Woo! Uh, I, uh, I that was watch, a good night, yeah, that talk. And I'm watching him talk, and he brings in the history of French film noir. Mm. And all Don't make amazing. it sound boring, though. Dude, you know, like, I like, I'm... What I like to be is like a, you know, not a stand-up comedian, but a stand-up photographer. Mm. So that when people are looking at my pictures, I can I can pretty much talk about mm. them and make them interesting, not yeah. boring. You know, the pictures are interesting, but you, you don't want to just show picture after picture after picture. You want to talk about mm. them. You want to mm -hmm. cheer people up, you know, humor them, tell them a thing or two, and, you know, uh, make the whole thing an entertainment, mm. not just a photo slideshow. Right. And so I'm pretty good at that. And I kind of come alive when I do that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what you're talking about that night. I, I, I love doing talks mm. on pictures. It sounds so boring, but mm -hmm. believe me, come to one of mine mm -hmm. and you will not be bored. And you'll <laughs> like go like, oh. You know, and I've, I've stolen it off of older photographers, right. people like Gary Winogrand, who I used to go to his talks. And mm. I go like, oh, that's how you do it. Mm. You make people really interested with these great stories. Because as your photographer, you have great stories about everything you've come into contact with. Mm -hmm. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. And like, I've got a thousand words for every picture of mine. Right. Only that it will transform the picture for you. Right. That's the job, right? Totally. You don't, you don't want to just have like somebody. You want to see it in a gallery, see it sitting up fine but you want the experience of the person taking you to another level with it and that's what i love doing that's what you saw me do that night exactly out. because that's the magic of godless and you said not a stand-up comedian not a stand-up this because you're a stand-up guy and maybe you've taken from other people but they've just touched stand -up your soul oh. in the right way yeah i'm a stand-up photographer right you're a stand-up guy even bigger than that all right all i'll the take way it to this soul. i'll take I'm it i'm bowing baby now i'm bowing all right all See right you, all right all right, all right. I'm, I'm, my mouth is shut we're doing so, an upcoming thing in this saturday at i need more may 11th with david again and this beautiful new publication it just came out called oh, man, culture so crush mm -hmm. magnificent like that kind of thing when you touch the print mm -hmm. you're just like hear it purring mm -hmm. you know it's done so good you mm -hmm. taste it with your little fingers and shit like that i smelled it mm -hmm. i didn't care because it's rock and roll and yeah. you can smell the print Woo! and it's okay. large it's large right, it's large it's you huge. can see big pictures big. so i i want to i want to i want you guys to recall the, the first time you met because <laughs> take take us back to to the 70s St. Mark's, what was going on there? Well, I didn't, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember meeting David. No, <laughs> neither do I. Why? Dude, it was. We were in the same uh, rooms. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Rooms. Okay, and what you rooms know, were, in our, was In that? our own daydreams. Okay. Exactly. Um, so these are like, you're at, at shows together or... You got it. I'm, We're both I'm not. I wasn't the same born then. Thing so you in have the to same room. Yeah, it's, ama it's it's amazing that you're asking this. This is what I know. It's my personal experience, as I was brought together later in life to, mm -hmm. with to, with everybody, whether it be Joey Ramone or or Linda Ramone or David or Roberta Bailey or Bob Gruen. For me, I live this amazing life. You know, I'm a runaway. I'm the truly the street walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. I'm a runaway boy in the age of the nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. Boom. Mm -hmm. Right there. Who wanted to take a walk on the wild side. Mm -hmm. Heard that song in my hillbilly town. Knew I was going to take a walk on the wild side. And I did it. 
So I arrived here in 75 with my clothes in a pillowcase. So you ran away from home? Yep. How old are you? 16. 16, wow. 1975, Oof. New York. Clothes in a pillowcase, no money in my pocket, not knowing anybody. Was, <laughs> uh, was, how did your family feel about that? Oh, I just ran. You just ran? <laughs> yes, like, I mean, I did always you let your mom and dad again, right? Well, yeah, 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 and I took care of them when they were older. I made it full circle. Right. <laughs> I was like, but, you know, they couldn't really come get me. They could have, but I ran away. Were you, you in know high where school? I was, and then I graduated high school early, and not because oh. I'm intelligent, you know, that expression, the grace of God. Okay. I just knew I had to go on a mission. Yeah. And I graduated high school early by going to school all year long. Uh-huh. And graduated in 75, uh, went away to college, did one little semester, never going to classes, hitchhiked to Florida with two buds, Ooh, too much sunshine and uh-huh. sand for me, and they grow oranges and shit like yeah. that, that's not me. Mm. Um, and then I ended up in New York City and hit the streets of New York City all within like less than a year, all within that 1975 period. So you knew you wanted to come to New York? Or did you just end up there? I think I just ended up here, but I did hear take a walk on the wild side. And okay. I didn't, it's so pertinent, or whatever the word would be, because I ended up meeting most of those people, and wow. I did take a walk on the wild side. Huh. So, and you've just done something magnificent. So when you, and I'm going to bring that up, your, your movie page, when you show up in New York in 1975, and there's no technology like there's no instagrams there's no cell phones <laughs> the subway was 35 cents and you needed a quarter for a payphone, or you just did it mm-hmm. and i just did it i then up then lived in the P- needle park area where okay. panic and needle park was filmed that's when times square was all was right after midnight cowboy right around the taxi driver mm-hmm. era all those things the cruising movie all those really new york movies mm-hmm. i love that you're reviewing them and I love, I have to say this right now, when you did the, when I saw New York Nico, the um, Midnight Cowboy one, mm-hmm. and I am going to be part of my story, and I am watching people call him John Boyd, Steve McQueen, oh, and Dust. I know you were horrified. Your <laughs> remark was like, whoa, dude, 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 I know I was. For those who don't know, I posted a clip of my favorite <laughs> scene from Midnight Cowboy, which is. Probably my favorite movie ever. Ever. It's uh, great. It's so the great. iconic scene where Dustin Hoffman bangs on the cab, says, I'm walking here, um, which was all improv, as you probably mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so many people were like calling him Steve McQueen. Someone called him someone Al, called Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Like John Dwight was right. Steve I was, like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And know so, your history. Back when I didn't have a quarter technology, you can find out shit quick. <laughs> I found out about Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Yeah. I lived it. Mm-hmm. I found out about Needle Park. I saw it later, right. and long before I was a heroin addict. So I came here, and I just did it all. I lived a magnificent life, mm-hmm. you know, from... I didn't know what chicken was, but I was chicken, meaning the waiter in a gay bar. I didn't know what that shit mm-hmm. meant. Screw magazine, your dad's magazines, where you could buy your cigarettes and a 25-cent candy, yep. not even wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. And I just tasted and lived it at all. So then when rock and roll and punk rock came, but I blended it mm-hmm. right up there with Studio 54. I'm a Studio 54 boy, and I'm oh, proud wow. of it. Okay. In my ripped jeans, safety pinned together, and my feather boa. Swinging that feather bow. At the wow. end of the night, there was one they feather. They let you in with ripped jeans? Oh, yeah, they were amazing. Weighed me right in from day one. Oh, wow. 
And that was the day of the Haymarket and the Jim Carroll-esque type guys uh-huh. and everything. So then I'm going to do it by eras. You know what I mean? Then comes CBs. Then comes the Mud Club. Then you're, simultaneously you're glossing over Dan right Sateria. now, Jimmy. Because <laughs> I want to talk about David. And so David it's ends okay. up in the same you're... rooms because each one's a story. And I just live to the fullest. So I ended up in a cardboard box in Thompson Square Park two days before the riots. Jesus. Strung out. See, boom for real. You want to see? So New wait, York hold movie? on, hold on, hold on. We're going too fast here. We're going too, so we, are, we got time, right? We so got, much, we're let him keep time. going. He is so much more colorful no, than me. No, I'm a no, black no, and white no, no, guy. No, no. Trust me, we'll get to both of you. Okay. I've been doing these for a while. I know, I know how it works. We I'll give a little like time co-star. to Jimmy, a little time to Godless, okay. then then a little time for both of you. So, wow. So you just said a lot. <laughs> so you said you were living in a cardboard box. During the Tompkins Square riots, which was 87. Mm-hmm. 87 or 88? 89. Right? 89. I have to look at right my own So you got to New York in, <laughs> in 75, and yeah. you were in a cardboard box 13 years later. Yes. How does that happen? Heroin? Heroin. <laughs> were, you, were you on heroin? Are you her- asking us or telling us? Were you on heroin Not prior heroin. to coming Not to New York? or No. No, so no. it was New, New York. So how, how do you get to that point? Uh, whoa. The wrong crowd? No. No, never. <laughs> I wouldn't even know the people that wouldn't have graced my life that added so much to my life. I mean, there were a lot of losers and liars and thieves. I had become one myself. Yeah. Uh, you kind of had to to yeah, survive, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Dude, one day I had... <laughs> you are getting me. My my habit was like hundreds of dollars a day, and Jesus. I didn't even have a job. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jumping the turnstile in the morning to get to another destination. So, But how did you get to that point from being this 16-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed... Her to take Thank a walk you. in the wild Thank side. You for <laughs> um, Wanted to come to New York. From being, um, wow, from wanting to live a full, magnificent, amazing life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just going down the wrong road for quite a bit of time. Because when I go, I go deep. Mm. Like when I love, mm. I love deep. You need more. Uh, Barry White's <laughs> that. I love Barry White. Uh-huh. People think I'm not going to love Barry White, but can't get a name for your love, babe. It's <laughs> one of my favorite songs. Nice. Woo, it wasn't even a Barry White imitation. That was just me being, woo. So from wanting to do it all, living that lust for life. Mm. That's why Iggy's one of the biggest mentors mm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Just wanting to do it all. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I am going to fast forward for a minute here. Years later, right, I'm in a hotel room in Toronto. And I went there to meet up with and to see Iggy. All right? Who, when Iggy Pop became my friend, when that trust started happening, because when you're a public person in the public light, you have to, uh, you can't trust. Whether you're Slash or Iggy or Duff or even Debbie. Harry, obviously, there's only one Debbie. <laughs> you know, you get violated sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you really have to stay, even David, you have to stay a little closed off, mm-hmm. you know? So when they start trusting me and letting me in, it really means a lot. Like when you have the cell phone number and you're having dinner together, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so trust I never want to betray. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So years later when you said how did i get there i don't want to lose the story i was into i was in toronto to meet iggy right he was playing 
some, uh, I can't remember where I was playing. It started with them. Some great hall with the red carpets and the chandeliers and whatever. And uh, I'm up there and uh, and I wrote him a little letter because I had found over to his hotel, I had found this little book in Virgin Records. How do you get there? One of those little shitty books at the register when Virgin was on 14th Street. R.I.P. And it yeah. was quotes of Iggy like throughout his life from uh i still have it by my bedside it's mm-hmm. kind of like a bible thing and um and, and it was all quotes he had made through interviews and one of his quotes was he's laying in a mental institution okay see another common bond iggy pop jimmy webb mental institution <laughs> uh <laughs> And he's laying in a mental institution, and no one, uh, and his quote is, and no one showed up, and no one showed up. Not even any of my friends from California, only David showed up. And that, in that moment, my heart grew, and my heart expanded into this most beautiful place it's in to this day. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I decided not only do I want to be the guy that shows up for the rest of my life, I want to be the guy who recognizes who shows up. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know? And, you know, it's fast-forwarding, but how did I get there? That's one of the places I got to. And I keep going because I keep getting those to those places. How do you leave a Tompkins Square cardboard box as a strung-out heroin addict? And after that, I ended up back in my little hometown of Wine Inskill, New York. That was more frightening than the fucking cardboard box, okay? Mm. (laughs) Back at mommy's house at Mm. 30-some years old. Not a good look. I ended up transforming into the present-day look. So Mm. it's an okay good look now. Okay. But how do you get there? Another great story. I'm at Carnegie Hall, one I tell often, with Iggy for like the third time. He's doing the save Tibet thing, right? It's Iggy Pop saving monks at fucking Carnegie Hall. The same stage where Billie Holiday stood when a Mm. black woman finally made it, Mm. all right? Where Judy Garland stood, Mm -hmm. where Liza Minnelli and all her sparkles stood. Mm -hmm. And there's my boy Iggy. But he's still being Iggy. Mm-hmm. There's still everything about him is Iggy. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed about the performance. He didn't even keep his fucking shirt on. He was great. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Angel spoke to me through Iggy, and they were like Jimmy. And at the time, I was working at my previous job. They gave me a name. I worked at Trash and Vaudeville for years. That's how I became Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now I'm Jimmy from I Need More. Mm-hmm. I have my own dream. My dream got bigger. My dream got more beautiful. And I'm watching Iggy at Carnegie Hall and I say, that's it. Let go of everything, Jimmy. Let it all go. Mm. Just like Iggy, reach for a star higher in the sky, grasp onto it and swing from it. Mm. That's what you've done your whole life. And then go for another. And I'm like, Literally, I'm talking to myself in the audience. Like, well, angels are talking to me. Mm-hmm. Iggy's talking to me. That's who's really talking to me, right? And this gorgeous wife's next to me. Oh, I'm in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And all this is going on. I'm like, well, how do you get there? And I was like, you know, how, how does Iggy get there? He runs and he dives. Mm-hmm. 
And every night that man stage dives, he never knows where he's going to land. He was one of the original stage divers. Find somebody that did it before that. You won't. Now it's kind of commonplace. Mm -hmm. The whole hip-hop era does it. Everybody does it. But you just run and dive. And I say, and you don't know where you're going to land. Iggy doesn't know where he's going to land any night. But you know what? He lands just right. Mm. And right where he's supposed to. So how do you get there? You just do that Iggy stage dive of faith. You just taste it all. You smell it all. You live it all. Then you just go on to the next step. Never get stuck. Mm -hmm. Don't get stuck on stupid. That's not a good look, no matter what you're doing. There's certain things you can carry over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can. I wore my pants really low till I was about 1955. Mm-hmm. I even threw on some underwear. If you want to talk personal, around ni- about when I, ni- 1955, when I was 55 at 56, I finally put on some underwear. Yo, want to hear something amazing? And I'm not going <laughs> to mind saying this at all. Iggy, please let me say this. As with his amazing, gorgeous wife, Nina. Or when he did United Palace, right? With that amazing band with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age and that whole amazing mm-hmm. band. And we're up there. So it's after. I'm in the dressing room, right? The dressing room with Iggy, mm-hmm. right? And I go up to Nina. and I'm like, look, look. And I show her. And I'm wearing underwear. Because she, you know, she knew I never wore underwear. My ass was hanging out for like a good few decades right so she goes oh my god oh my god when and i'm like i don't know november whatever she goes oh my god him too (laughs) iggy and i put on underwear (laughs) in the same exact year and month talk about a spiritual mentor there you go how do you get there you just do it right wow all of it whether it's being chicken in a gay bar in the 70s Deciding, you know what, this isn't for me, going with living with a bunch of buddies, you know what I mean, just paying cheap rent, headed to the next club, the next experience, you know, the next amazing thing in life, and just mm-hmm. doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just living it. You have to be true to yourself, and you have to live it, and you have to be true to yourself, and you have to let know when to let go of it. Mm-hmm. You know, this tattoo on my arm with the wrapped around, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. I got that from Steven Tyler, mm-hmm. from what it takes, when he wails that fucking song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's just wailing, let it go, let it go, let it go, until he's whimpering it. You know, right after seeing him doing that at Madison Square Garden as his guest, mm-hmm. dude, there's nothing better than being a rock star's guest at Madison Square Garden. Saying, <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, when he's whimpering it and he's soaking wet and it's like, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go tattoo that on my arm. Like, wow. you know, so you just stay true to yourself, whether mm-hmm. it's doing something or letting go of something. And I think what what brings David and I together is we've simultaneously had all these amazing experiences that um, I'm going like, to stick to my favorite experiences, truly in my mind with David, are when it's David, Debbie, Harry, Chris Stein, and I. Because he's my little traveling companion. Mm-hmm. So when we go to a Blondie show and the four of us are somehow together, mm-hmm. because David takes off the crest to like two little fucking boys talking yeah, about it. Yeah, we're so exciting. Yeah, it's like cameras. <laughs> <laughs> two two camera like, nerds. I lost him. We're on the tour bus or something, and David's like, but to watch you and Chris Stein is fucking awesome. It's like two little boys, like, they're in the sandbox talking about their little fucking 
whatever you do in a sandbox. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your favorite new toy. We're entertaining ourselves. Yeah, they're so excited. Mm -hmm. And then I end up in a quarter with Debbie. So yeah, I win. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so you be true to yourself and you just do it forever. Right. You know what I mean? And at points, you know, like when I had nothing after... I would, you know, and it wasn't even just about a drug habit. It was just living a life. I remember just having, I'd, be, I'd buy my outfits or take them out of the garbage. Safety pins were always cheap and ripped clothes. Mm. Like I dressed out of the garbage and went to Studio 54. One or two nice things. And, um, but, you know, but we'd steal toilet paper out of public restrooms because you don't buy toilet paper. You can do better shit with that money, you know? Now I buy toilet paper because I've learned a thief is a thief. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be a thief. Mm -hmm. I want to be something more fabulous mm -hmm. than a thief. So moving back home kind of put you on the quote-unquote right path? Yeah, well, why don't I moving home again? Deciding to change it up again. Mm -hmm. You know, drugs are not a good luck as you get older. Mm -hmm. I mean, a drug addict's a drug addict. You're a drug addict, right. you know what I mean? And it's, and it's not cool. And mm -hmm. I'm, um, you know, I mean... Mm, you know, one of my favorite eras of my life, which is a whole another story, is uh, I've never really publicly said these things. I've recorded. Now's the you time. know, I lived with a mother and daughter heroin addict, a born again Christian mother and daughter hooker, heroin addict, hooker teams. Oh, wow. And, and on 4th and D. I was okay. one of the only white people back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? On 4th and D. We were. Mm. You know, born again Christian. Hookers, mother and daughters, heroin addicts, you know, and in between, you know, in between blowjobs, we'd have Bible studies. That's exactly <laughs> how it was. <laughs> and she dope. And I would say that was the beginning. <laughs> Living with Lou Reed's, um, uh, Lou Reed's Rachel, you know, let's just put it that way. Wow. It's a, you know, transvestite girlfriend, whatever. It's documented now. When he sings to it, then Coney Island, baby, you want to hear something beautiful? Listen to that. So that was the beginning of me, like, turning it around. They were the last people to kick me out into the street. That's how I ended up in the cardboard box in Thompson Square Park. Mm -hmm. When the last people kick you out that love you so much, mm -hmm. it's time to change it up. Oh, wow. So going home gave me the opportunity. Then I got arrested and went to jail. When you're locked in a jail cell for six months, facing seven and a third to 25 in prison. You can choose a lot of directions. You can be one of those guys who say, I can do this time standing on my head. Mm. It's <laughs> like, well, that seems fucking retarded. Oh, bad politically incorrect word. It's okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? I love that word, though. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like, it's not because, why would you want to have your freedom taken away and sure. be locked in a two-by-two two cell and not be able to be you? And, shit shower and shave when you're told you can it's like it's not a good look either so that so gave how, me how many years did you do i did six months five years felony broke felony probation do again i call it always the grace of god and a good lawyer that defended me for free because he believed in me wow. if i hadn't had people that believed in me along the way i don't know what i would have i always get these people that believe in me and just want to like help me out and after a while you don't want to violate that of course you know Support. you know why i dance one of the reasons i dance and i'm so happy every day why even when i stand and still i'm dancing and it just reminds me of people you don't want to let down it's because it's september 11th mm -hmm. and on september 11th i, I live like four blocks away from the world trade center Whew. 
and um and I heard everybody dying and I heard screams it's very surreal when you're in the middle of something like that mm-hmm. and people very Twilight Zone episode people running at me lived on wall and water and when I heard and felt the crash I didn't know what it was and I headed up to the trade center and I could see all these people running my way but I don't know what's going on and I turned around and I went back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast forward through a few sensitive things to speed it up and when it fell you know I was right there you know when in my house so again surreal it's on TV what's happening and I went down and so when I decided to leave the neighborhood like um like an hour or two after you know to head uptown I wanted to go to my safe place mm-hmm. which was St. Mark's place you always want to go to something safe mm-hmm. that you know and I left and I remember for lack of a better exp- no not lack of a better expression of truth as I was leaving you know because it it was like, you know, a death march out, as Dwayne Peters once said to me. And um, I just kept praying for the person in front of me and praying for the person behind me. Oh, please let them be all right. Oh, please let them be all right. I remember walking by Seabees and Hilly was like, told my roommate or told my roommate who worked there at the time, and they're like, oh, Jimmy looks like, whoa. Jimmy just walked by. He's okay, but he looks like, whoa. And that's all Hilly said to him, like, like whoa. Like, he was white. Yeah. And um, when I got to St. Mark's and I felt safer and homier and um, and the reason and then, you know, because death has a taste and death has a smell that you're left with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Death is blacker than night. So dark. It's so dark and it's so horrible and it's something that never, ever, ever leaves you. And um, so I don't want to ever... A while later, I don't ever want to disrespect those people that had no choice. Those screams of people I heard jumping out the windows. And the people that had nobody come home. You know, Uncle Be- Uncle Bill didn't come home, or Mommy, or Daddy. I want to dance for them forever. Mm. I want, you know, I want to make the world shine a little better and have their memories. So I just always want to spread good. So I throw on a little Iggy or a little Barry White. Or little Rolling Stones, and I dance, or I go out to an event with David, and I just spread love and shine. Or meeting you keeps me wanting to shine. Or rolling my eyes when people aren't knowing their history, like they're, you're calling Dustin Pittman Al Pacino. You know, dude, you could look that movie up. It's like do that, <laughs> Steve Mc- John Wayne, Steve McQueen. <laughs> what is the matter with you? No disrespect. Yeah. But wow. people like David and I or all my other friends, we've had to know our history. We've mm-hmm. had to look up our you know, history. You know, I did that same walk on yeah. 9-11. Because yeah. I, I, was, I was down taking my daughter to school that morning. Oh, right. And I saw the Where first... Where did she go to school? At PS234, okay. down over uh, near Chamber Street yeah. in Greenwich. Yeah. And I had dropped her off to school that day. And then I didn't get very far when the first plane went over my head. Mm. And I was with Eileen, and we like both kind of... We stood there for a while without getting too long about it and watched till we realized people were jumping. Yeah. And, um, and then we ran back to get her for, from school. And then I was mm-hmm. like, where do we go? Yeah, yeah. Because at the time I was down on Maiden Lane and I'm not going in that direction. I'm going north. Yeah. I, and I was like, where am I going? I'm going to St. Mark's Place. Yeah. Same thing you oh, ended wow. up doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's where I took the three of us and I said, we're just going walking and walking and walking in that direction. And uh, and St. Park's place was like, 
low-lying buildings. Nobody's coming after us there. We ended up at Cafe Orland with oh, Roberta wow. that morning. Wow. They closed the cafe because the towers fell and they were like sending people home. But I went back. That was my safe place, wow. St. Mark's place. I, I just thought, I'm getting out of this neighborhood and I'm heading right where it's safe. Yeah. I, uh, I was in seventh grade and I, I went to school at Little Red Schoolhouse, which was probably 15 blocks away. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more, but my experience was, was it was. I mean, I was, I was, what, twelve years old? It was crazy. It was such a. You're like a little. Old I didn't even. Daughter. I didn't even know. What, what was it like for a twelve-year-old? Well, I'm so curious. I, every, everyone's experience was different. Right. Obviously. Exactly. Uh, for for someone my age, it was it was very bizarre. It was very. I mean, it's surreal for everybody, but it was very surreal for me because I didn't know what terrorism was at the time because uh, I was too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that, you know, the the planes just flew into the towers accidentally. So when I learned that it was a bad guy who hated America and just wanted to kill a lot of people, it just like, I, I didn't think it was, it, I didn't know how to register that, you know? It, I, one, of my, one of my most vivid memories from uh, a t- being an early teenager was when we found out, I was, I was with a learning specialist at the time, it was like 8 in the morning or whatever, um, and she was told to bring me to my homeroom so i went to homeroom and it was just utter chaos because the kids like me didn't really understand what was going on Mm -hmm. and i remember vividly there was this one one kid who uh was doing like a a plane simulation with his hands like flying as if it was like crashing or something and that kid's father worked in the twin towers and here he was kind of just like making a joke out of it all and it's not because he was you know, an asshole is because he didn't get it. Like, no one, no, it was so my, surreal for my us. My daughter told me, and she was nine, mm-hmm. that she, they could see sort of out the window and look to, if you put your nose up to the window of the schoolroom and put, look to the right, you could almost see the tower. Yeah. And the boys all saw the plane go in. Mm. The girls weren't really sure. The, mm. And then, so the boys were coming over going, oh, the plane just crashed into the tower. And, they thought they were just boys mm-hmm. making up the story. Right. And then the teachers sort of had to calm everybody down. And, right. and, and, but I, you were just old enough to be aware of it. My daughter mm-hmm. was like nine, not quite yeah, old yeah. enough to sort of take it in. She has a vivid memory yeah. of it. But uh, that, that was just quite the moment yeah. in the city, right? No matter what age you are, no matter where you are. I, watched the, ta- I watched the plane go into the tower. I watched mm-hmm. it go over my head and I was like, it's heading right into the tower. It's gonna. It could turn yeah. right. It could turn left. It was kind of gliding, and I watched it go in. And then I was just like, "Wow!" Right. I knew right away. I said, "That's terrorism." Right. I was like, I'd lived in Israel, and yeah. I was like, "That's terrorism." Time to get out of here. So I'm wondering. Who knows what's next? Because you know, where you're you're older than I am. Um, I'm wondering if you had kind of the same experience as I did afterwards. Like for me nothing i was not safe anywhere like i i whenever i heard a plane fly by Mm -hmm. i thought that you know i was gonna die for for the at least the next three years and i had to start going to therapy that's what i mean Um, you were just old enough to be that aware right my daughter was a little bit younger so she didn't have that experience but were you guys ever ever able to shake it or i had the same issue and and it's pretty amazing first of all i think it's so awesome to hear 
I didn't know David was going to St. Mark's that day. And again, there's our kinship. Yeah. We both headed into the same direction, to yeah. the same place. Absolutely. That's a kinship. Yeah, yeah that's know? what I'm saying, yeah. Oof. From uh, darkness to light. Mm. And for me, um, yes, because not only did I see that horrible stuff coming this way, I had the memories. Gotta get all choked up no, all the time. No, totally fine. <laughs> of all these like heroic people mm. running in to help and save people. Mm. So, and it's like with me forever, yeah. you know, I, I just had to turn it into a positive thing, as I said. And when you're asking, yeah, I was um, a scarred for like years or carried that with me when a plane would go overhead. Mm-hmm. That's when I finally understood PHPSD yeah. or whatever, PTSD. PTSD yeah. You know, I'd be in rehabs for seven or eight times. You have PTSD. It's like, what are you talking about? I hate that. Shut up. Yeah. They can't mention that to me anymore. Well, I had it after September 11th. I would kind of cover my head. And when I would walk in front of a, a firehouse, this is a true story, for two, three years after, I would burst into mm-hmm. tears. Like just start crying. And firemen are my heroes because there's, there's oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh, whoa! Yabba <laughs> dabba doo! Look at that shirt! I, I'm wearing a, uh, mm-hmm. what, what is it? I think it's my Chinatown. Chinatown, Chinatown Dragonfire. Dragon I, I collect. Uh, Yo! Yeah. I mean, they run into burning buildings and save yeah, lives. It's crazy. So it's the more most heroic selfless about job. that. Yeah, I love your you know, face right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm such a fanboy of firefighters. Woo, I get yeah. like choked up. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Oh, New York, Nico, I love you. You're so New York. You're so awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I would break down and... Um, was my mother of all people I had issues with. Obviously, I ran away yeah. at 16. But there's a contact, and I called my mother one night, 11 o'clock night, bawling in front of a, mm. a firehouse, the one on 10th Street, mm-hmm. on West 10th Street. Cause they had a beautiful thing set up in front, you know, with the flowers for years mm-hmm. after. Because uh, I would hear the screams. Yeah. I would taste the death. Mm. You know, on my way back in, after the day of September 11th, you know, that evening, the only place I wanted to go back to was my home mm-hmm. on Wall Street. And I don't know how I got in. Did well, you go down that night? Yes, well, I walked, when I talk about New York, I walked down by the river, because you weren't allowed in. Once mm. you were above, right, yeah. you weren't you allowed have a back. License, right, oh, right, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so I'm like, well, how am I going to get back to my bed? I just want my bed at the end of the day. And it, seeing the people in bloodlines and seeing the giving that day, or even when we were coming up 3rd Avenue when I was leaving, you know, I left uh, water, somehow ended up on 3rd mm-hmm. Avenue. You know, there's street owners putting out water, bums giving you towels to dry your face. I didn't take anything, but it was such a thing amongst yeah. the shoes on the ground because women couldn't walk in their shoes mm-hmm. anymore. That's all real. Um, so going back that night, I snuck over by the river. Mm-hmm. I love sharing this story. And... Um, so I walked as close to the river as I could because there's fucking every army person in the world two right. inches away from each other with rifles and grenades all over. It was like, holy shit. And cell phones are shut down. There's no communication. Whatever. So I'm walking over by the river and two things happened. First of all, I got to the Fulton Fish Market and I breathed deeply because I always hated the Fulton Fish Market because I don't like the smell of fish, right. the dead fish. And of course, it wasn't dead fish, it was still death. You could smell. And I breathed deep, but I didn't get what I wanted. Mm. And it sucked. And then I walked a little bit farther, 
and there on the ground, curled up by the river, is an old bum, like a New York bum, a police dog, you know, one of those dogs, and a young cadet, you know, policeman, you know what I mean? And they're curled up next to each other, exhausted, exhausted, mm -hmm. sleeping and curled up for warmth next to each other. It was the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen. And I got tears in my eyes seeing the beauty of New York. And I just kept walking. And I think it was the look on my face, because by this time I had to go back up to Water Street and walk in front of all the right. army people. And I must have had that look. The greats of God, just leave him alone. Yeah. He's that's, fine. That's, that, that happened to me when I walked <laughs> down there. I went the next morning and I, I passed every check. By the time I got to the last checkpoint, they go like, let him through. He, he <laughs> yeah, belongs right? here. You're magnificent, yeah. There's wow. no other reason he'd be down here. So back to the pain, I called my mother in tears again, and I'm like, and I'm crying. I didn't know who to call. I called her. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm going to cry right now. I'm like, when is it going to go away? Mm -hmm. When is it going to go away? Just when. And um, she said, don't you know it's not? And as she, soon as she said that, everything made sense. Because mm. everyone kept saying it's going to get better, it'll go away. It's like, mm. F you. No. Fuck you. What do you mean? You know what I mean? Mm. How dare you disrespect everything? Especially the people that aren't here anymore. The things I saw. And when she said that, I exhaled. Because I knew it was something I was going to carry with me forever. And that's when it slowly changed into what I said earlier. Now when I dance... I dance for those that can't mm -hmm. dance anymore. Mm. I, you know, I live for those that can't live anymore. The lust for life is mm. back because I'm here to honor them. Just like I'm here to honor everybody from AIDS, mm. my junkie friends that died, everybody that's passed on. There was a piece of this beautiful history in New York. Mm -hmm. I'm here to give love for and keep their memory alive. And that's how I handled this. But I was yeah, tortured for years. And I learned you as soon as you accept the unacceptable within you, doesn't mean it's good, you get a little better at dealing with it. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Man, I, we should have a whole podcast just on 9 11. Yeah. It would be a good thing oh, for yeah. someone to do. Very depressing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> but well it's, it's just always interesting to hear people's stories. It if, is. If you bring it more to a positive light, yeah, yeah no, it's very course. depressing. No, it's know? always, it's cathartic talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Knowing that we all shared similar experiences is it's funny. I find it hard to believe I was standing where I was standing yeah. at the time. I mean, I was only a couple of blocks away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go, why me? Mm. You know, why me not there? Why me this close? My and I'm, I'm a guy that experiences things and photographs things. And I, that was the day I didn't take my camera to... Oh, wow. It out in the morning, oh, my, yeah. my daughter, huh. it was like the third day of school, and she was like, I said, oh, I forgot my camera. She says, you can get it when you get back. You don't need it. And, you know, it's a good thing I didn't have my camera. I didn't go with my instincts to photograph things. I just experienced everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it just, it, but I realized that's what my thing was. I, I'm here to remember things and see things. Mm. You know, when I have a camera with me, I take pictures of it. When I just see it and experience it, that's the reason I was there. I'm there mm. to tell the story. I'm a survivor of, for whatever reason, God put me in that spot that I saw the plane go in, that it was close enough that I could almost see in the window of the yeah. plane that went by me. I mean, you know, my yeah. wife saw it, and yeah. she's got lots of PTSD from that. You know, it just went 
so you could read American Airlines on it. It was that low. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's my place. My place is use my eyes, use my brain. With a camera, I take pictures and experience the punk scene. This mm -hmm. was just another thing that for whatever reason, I was that close at that moment. Mm -hmm. You were a little further away. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. We all experienced it. But for me, I had that, oh, it was just so upfront and up close. And I'm meant to be here to tell those stories. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> wow. Let's move all on right, to something. All right, let's get on to bright and cheery Yeah, but that's so Somebody beautiful. put on another record. But I was thinking of everything that you've done with that, and yeah. you do it. Like with your, your street photography that's so taking over. You know what I mean? Or... You know what I mean? I'm not a war photographer, so that's why I'm right. real. That's why I'm really glad I didn't have a camera that day. Right, right. War photographers know how to head to danger yeah. and get in and get out. Right. I'm kind of just a, you know, a curly-haired Jew with a camera. Mm -hmm. I'm not a war photographer. I don't know how to get in and out on those. I know how to get into a punk rock show and get out with good pictures. Right. Thank God I didn't have my camera that day. Right. Yeah, but look at your Miami Beach photos. That. Yeah, I mean, wherever I go, I take pictures of what I see, and somehow I come out with some kind of experience that, and most often, it's, I wouldn't say to entertain people, it's to, you know, take people to another place, mm -hmm. place, and you know, through my eyes. So are you saying, I'm going to use a place we are, so are you saying, okay, go ahead, I don't know what I'm now. saying, no, whatever, please. right, we're let's just, rock and roll. We're just hanging out. When you're, when I'm looking at your stuff, right, when I'm looking, because I love you, you're my friend, I watch you watch stuff, even in, and now I've learned to deal with your camera, because you're non-intrusive, that's a good photographer, when they're non-intrusive. Yeah, I'm like not in your face. you're just taking the pictures on the subway, you're like, look this way, of course it changes me a little, I want to know if there's falafel between my teeth, right, or whatever I just ate, whatever. But you just do it, and you're non-intrusive, like you're opening. Or, um, but let me say with what I'm where I'm at. When you're like, I'm looking at your street. When I started looking at your, I look at your pictures of in Veselka in the '80s. What makes you pick up that camera and take that moment? Is it the pack of cigarettes instinct. on the table? No, it's instinct. It's uh, I learned long ago. Don't try so hard. Don't yeah. try so hard to be something that you're not. Just be what you are. Like when. Let's say I was somebody walking around without a camera. I'd mm. see things. I'd think about what I see. I'd walk around, but I wouldn't have the picture of it. Mm. I am a guy with a camera, so it doesn't mean I have to like try really hard to be the best photographer in the world. All I got to do is like when something when I when I have that moment, because really when you're taking a picture, you're pointing something out to people. Mm -hmm. You're going like, look what I just saw. Mm -hmm. That's what the picture is. Right. And. So when I'm walking around to get that experience, I try to just be whatever Absolutely. I am. I go like, oh, you know, if I see something, I go, I, I take a picture of it. I don't, if I start thinking about it, I won't get a good shot. If I just, if I think, is this a good picture? Should mm -hmm. I take mm -hmm. it? It's too late. Yeah. I never so thought about that. It, it that really is just pointing something out. Because as a street photographer, I, I don't think that you need to have technical skills as a, no, as a photographer. Yeah. I feel like you could take a photo on a, on a cell phone as long as, you know, you got good subjects in there. You, you see something that's interesting. That's all that counts. But you, you sort of develop your own good skills. Sure. You know, like my, my friend Roberta Bailey. No, absolutely. All these great punk pictures. And she goes, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, you know what you're right, doing. Right, right. Everybody knows. You know, we, you, we all use our own skill level mm -hmm. and our own instinct level and our own creation level to create to make make these pictures let's right. for lack of a better word you right. know um and so yeah i mean it, it's it's not rocket science right no it's, but it's it is a lot of instinct it's totally instinct and that's why i don't think that you can teach street photography 
So whenever no. whenever I see these classes given on, on street photography, I'm like, dude, you're not going to learn anything. Like, That's for somebody who wants to make some extra money. Yeah, sure. And for some people that want to think they can, you know, like I've taken street, no, I've taken a class, an inter, a, a um, seminar with Gary Winogrand, mm-hmm. but it's not like he said he tried to teach tried to teach us anything. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, are we going to go to a coffee shop now? Yeah. Anybody want to get out of the classroom and go yeah, to a coffee shop? Yeah. So basically, you're just hanging around Gary Winogrand. You're not right. watching him shoot. Right. He's not going to sh- show you how to shoot. Right. It's just the the if you want to ask him a question, he's there. Right. And you're and if and you're just ex, you're taking in the experience of being around somebody that does it as a for as a lifestyle. Yeah. And that can rub off on you. But it can rub off, but you sort of I think I think the people that are really good have good eyes and have good instincts. Totally. And you know, I guess you can learn how to technically take pictures that'll make you money. Right. Do a portrait, sure. do a wide shot, you know, do that stuff. But if you want to take art, you got to kind of be an artist. Mm-hmm. You got to have that feeling, and you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to go with it. Do like ha- Jimmy goes with it in life. You got to go with it in your pictures. Do you have a favorite photograph that, that you I taken? took? Yeah. Oh my God, that's I. I don't really know. I mean, my Patty Smith is probably one of my. It's mm-hmm. easy to talk about as a favorite. It's it's got a lot of talking mm-hmm. stuff around it. You know, how did I take it? What did I do? You know, what's the effect of it? Mm-hmm. You know, how does Patty look in the photo? I guess in that way, that's one of my favorite photos. I mean, I, you know. When you but took it, did you know that, that it would become your favorite photo? I took it. When I took it, I knew it would be a great photo if I didn't fuck it up. Mm. I mean, I knew. Sure, because okay, you're, shooting, you're shooting. I tapped her on the. No I'm idea, shooting yeah. like quarter of a second, 5.6. Yeah, so yeah. first of all, I have to hold stella, steady as a tripod mm. without a tripod. Mm-hmm. She's got to hold steady as a tripod. I can't have time to explain that to her. I tap her on the shoulder. I go like, can I take a picture? And she puts her hand up to her face and I do two shots, quarter of a second, mm. just like that. But I did see the Bleecker Street sign. I did know she was standing in a spot. She was lit up. And in my mind, because I'm shooting it analog, mm-hmm. 35 millimeter, I'm not going to see it till tomorrow. I'm not mm-hmm. going to see it till I develop the film. I knew if I don't, if I don't fuck up, this is going to be a great picture. Mm-hmm. Now, I could wake up the next day and I would have fucked it right, up right, and right. just gone, man, I could have had a great picture yeah, of Patti yeah. Smith. But instead, I didn't fuck it up and it ended up being, I do have a great picture right. of Patti Smith. And did you know her? No. Oh, you didn't know her? Right? No, I was just a fan. Okay. She was out on the street. So did you ask her to pose? I or? tapped her on the shoulder. Yeah. She was in the midst of a conversation standing out on the Bowery, and uh-huh. I just said, do you mind if I take a quick picture? Okay. And she turned around, and she put her hand up just like that in the picture, uh-huh. and I did two shots. Uh-huh. That's now, it. Now, what percentage of the credit would you give to Patti Smith for this photograph being so great? Um... It depends on what year you ask me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you asked me, like, when I was much more insecure, mm-hmm. I would have given her 90% and my cent- myself 10%. Okay. But now I'll go 50-50. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tiger Hood. He's the guy on my Instagram page who plays oh. golf with Milk. Oh, I oh, love okay. him. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was an a incredible street photographer. He still is, but mm-hmm. he has a crazy collection of film photographs of New York City from the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and uh, so we talk a lot about street photography, and he, he tells me it's, you know, it's not about the photographer, it's about the subject. Um, you know, and, and in, in many cases, I agree with that. Um, you know, there's a lot of photos that I've taken where I give the, the subject 90% of the credit and myself 10% of the credit. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Because um, it's like anyone could have taken that photograph. It really is 
the subject. But and then but then I start thinking, well, it is instinct. Yeah, but you know, look, like, look look at Diane Arbus. Yeah, I mean, you know, there you go. She's the she's in the 90. Even though she's photographing midgets and transvestites mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. dwarfs and right. all kinds of things, because her vision is so the way she looks at things is so strong mm. that nobody else taking pictures of those same people at the same time could get those pictures. Yeah. So I, I, you've got to give it to certain photographers for the vision more than the subject Absolutely. sometimes. I mean, even though photography is a very subject, subject uh, heavy field. Sure. So as an outsider, as someone that looks at both of your work, uh, I think you're both sort of changing yourself and Diane Arbus was a perfect example. Yeah, and she would go deep. And I just want to add this right now. Remember when I was talking about the born-again Christian hookers? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. Uh, one of them is in Diane's first book. And Diane chased oh, wow. her down the street. God rest her beautiful soul. I would not be alive. She's a woman on bed in Brooklyn. Uh -huh. And I was like, well, how did you meet Diane? How did this happen? And Diane chased her down the street on St. Mark's mm -hmm. and asked if she could photograph her. And then they lived out in Brooklyn, blah, blah, blah. But, so it's both. I think Diane I did see people. things in deeply. But I think you both have that's why i came in here saying past present and future i think someone like you nico yeah you can give it to the subject but if the photographer doesn't have the eye mm. or the moment not everyone could take that picture because the photographer has to see in that soul they're photographing not just the visual the soul the specialness or the uniqueness or the blessing that soul, or worded perfect, mm -hmm. is bringing to this planet. And that's what you're photographing. And, and, and so it's a 50-50 minimum. You've also mm -hmm. got to remember that the person that you're photographing is looking at you. Sure. Yeah. You know, unless it's like you're, you're a red carpet photographer mm -hmm. and there's a million people taking a picture at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll look at some of my pictures and go like, that's a pretty good picture. Mm. But... You can't get away from the fact that I go, why do people always look interesting when I photograph them? I'm not really sure. And then I sort of at some point have to go, it's not just my skill of like how I set the camera and how I look through the frame. They're looking at me. There must be something about me that makes it, makes the photograph makes the person photographed sure. look a certain way like yeah. when they're like when you look at a Diane Arbus picture you go like that's a Diane are you is it a Diane Arbus picture because she set it up that way or because what they're reacting to is Diane Arbus right. you know there's point. something there that you're not going to ever see because you're not going to see what Diane Arbus is doing when she's photographing sure. but there's something for me it's uh, there's something friendly about me people seem to be comfortable when I ask to take their yeah. picture they don't they I you know it's like babies look at my hair and they get smiled. Right, right. You know, but people somehow are f comfortable with me for right. whatever silly reason there may be. Absolutely. And and or people are frightened of a photographer, yeah. and maybe that's like, what the pictures they I'm, get. I'm thinking the, of Bruce Gilden right, right now. Right, exactly, you know what Bruce Gilden. Like, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. creepy looking dude. Yeah, like, and he has you know, no he, problem with going through doing that, and no, he gets no. the pictures he wants of by course, doing that. Of course. And I have nothing against that. It's just like whatever works. Like you find yourself. Yeah. yeah. When you're taking pictures, that's and then fun. the pictures you get or how people react to yeah. that self you found. So we're running low on time, yeah, okay. but I wanted to share this story. Um, photo it's photography related and it happened on Easter Sunday. I don't know if you saw my post on Instagram, but I was taking photos at the Easter parade, which I do every year because I love it. I go out with my little dinky, uh, 
what is it? Uh, Fuji FX 100. It's uh -huh. just like a little point and shoot camera, nothing special. But when I do events, I like shooting on that as opposed to my phone because I can get more flicks. Um, so I'm taking my photos. I, I see my buddy uh, Vino Vinehouse. I don't know if you know that guy. You've probably seen him on the mm -hmm. street. Uh, he's an old graffiti writer. But I was taking a photograph of him, and this woman, middle-aged white woman, uh, tries to, to get in uh, to get the same photo. So she, she pushes me, and I push her back. Because, you know, when, you, when you're in situations like this, these crowded events, you're, you're bound to push into mm -hmm. people. It's the same as a concert. And mm -hmm. you just, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Um, so I pushed her back, and she drops her, ca her DSLR camera on the ground. And I think something might have broken. And as she's picking it up, I'm thinking to myself, is, is she going to blame me for this? I feel like she's probably going to blame me for this. So I was prepared. So she gets up and she says, the least you could do is apologize. And in my head, I'm, I'm just like, oh no. Did she really just do this? Should I, should I apologize or should I keep it real and tell this, tell this woman that it was her <laughs> fault? So that's what I did. I told her, why should I apologize to you for bumping into me? And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I look at her and I'm like, have you ever been to a parade before? <laughs> like, have you ever been to a crowded parade before? And she looks down. She has a press pass on. She looks down at her press pass. And she looks at my little dinky point-and-shoot camera. And she goes, of course I've been to parades before. Who the fuck are you? While looking at my, my dinky point-and-shoot. Right. So I just got heated. I got so Whoa. fucking angry. Because there's nothing worse than someone with a press pass who thinks that they're superior to I, you. I saw your post. I loved that moment. I, Just I because they have a DSLR it. and a fucking press pass, exactly. they're superior to me. Exactly. Also, it's an open parade. Anyone can... What the fuck do you need a press yeah, pass yeah, yeah. for? So people think you're special? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I, I, got, I got some juice in the game. But it, so and like, I loved your post. Yeah, because so of the to, experience yeah, of that. I told I her so to, relate. I told her to do her research. Yeah, hello. And it felt I felt I felt rude saying that to a middle aged woman. You know, me as like a thirty year old dude. No, she was saying it to but, you. But you know, do your fucking research before before you ask who the fuck am I? You know? So is anyway. It, is that all you said is do your research? I said do your research. She's just like, Why why don't you just tell me who you are? I didn't want to really tell her who I was. So. Yeah, I know. So yeah. I, I didn't want to have to like pull I'm out your, my website. Exactly. I'm Jimmy like, Webb. Yeah, I love that, that you said, sex. have you ever been to a parade before? Exactly. Like, have you ever been also, to a crowded also, parade also, before? She didn't strap her fucking camera. Right. Like, if you're at a parade and you got this expensive DSLR, strap your fucking camera to your body. Then if you get pushed, you know, if you get pushed, which is bound to happen, mm -hmm. you won't drop it and break it. So anyway, I wanted to leave on that. Uh, so great to have you guys here. We we we're gonna have to do this again because we yeah, we so much more glossed over so much shit. We didn't get to so much shit. Uh, there's so much to talk about, but we definitely covered a lot. Yeah, we got uh, we, we everything did the from from 9/11 to to street photography to a, a his, lot. his colorful lot. life. But thank you for life. having us. Yeah, it's thank like you guys so much. You're a special man. I appreciate that. Nico, very, likewise, very likewise. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's great to have met you guys, and I'm I'm honored. Can Thank I mention, so can I promo Please. something for oh a minute? Oh my god, yeah, yeah, I forgot. You, you I guys wanna, are welcome to plug I want to promo uh, David's having, we're having a little event. I can't mention the gallery that's putting it on. I don't want to rob them of that beauty okay. of them jumping in. And there's an event uh, May 11th. Uh, this podcast I mean, will not come out until after that.
Oh, yabba dabba do. <laughs> awesome. My new, uh, thank you, Fred Flintstone. Uh, and he wore a leopard, so he was fucking fabulous. Uh, then if you missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morrison um, wow, Hotel Gallery is having this thing with Culture Crush. Okay. The issue will still be out. You know, it's a nonprofit magazine, so you, you know you can donate and get one, but you mm-hmm. can't go buy one. They can't sell it to you, and they're hard to get. Of David Street photography, and awesome. it's huge. I so wish you and your girl could be there, yeah, but I think you you kind of walk with me all the time yeah. in spirit now, yeah, yeah. because you have made me believe in the future. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, there's very very select a people. Lot, yeah, I'm gonna cry now. It's <laughs> like you're the. You're crying so good. <laughs> if it's sincere, you know, I cry at Iggy shows. Yeah. I cry at parades. <laughs> you know, I cry good. at sad moments and happy moments. And I cry when I see something that makes me believe. Wow. And you make me believe in the future. Holy shit. You know, I mean, lot, you're man. so punk rock because you live, we are the future. Wow. And that Respect, rocks. Man. Thank so you so much. I want to say thank you for having us. Thank, David. You. thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. And so we can you can find Godless work, Godless's work at... Godless.com, G-O-D-L-I-S. There you go. His Instagram is great. Yeah, Instagram, also Godless. just Godless. Yeah, just Google me and, you know. Jimmy, you can find at Jimmy Webb, NYC. I see, uh-huh. Uh, also, I Need More uh-huh. is his, need is his store. Yeah. I X uh, Need X More. Yeah. This will all be in yeah, the yeah, yeah, you can find description. But seriously, check out his store. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You never know who you'll meet there. You yeah. never know who you'll meet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can vouch for that. So, guys, thank you so much for coming thank on the you. podcast. Thanks. This has been uh, episode 15, ep- episode 16, excuse me. Sweet 16. Sweet How 16. fucking rock and roll is uh, that? Ryan, <laughs> go ahead and take <laughs> us out. Cool. Awesome, wow. Guys. Thank you so God. much. Wow. That is awesome. We have it all. Fast president and future of New York City. Amazing real deal art. Jim Carroll, the New York Dolls.